does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Now, this song is also the Notre Dame kickoff song, so I'm kind of getting ready for Saturday night when you play this, Mark. Oh, I'm nervous about it, man. Sorry to confuse you. The other thought I had, and Mike Reese covers Patriots for ESPN.com, does an incredible job on that front. He's going to join us here in just a second. Um, I'm looking at this Barcelona jumpsuit that Jake just got, Max, and I'm thinking to myself, he might save American soccer with this. He might be the savior to American men's soccer. T-minus how many you know days what? till the World Cup? I, I decided when I was purchasing that, you're you're relatively obsessed with football, so perhaps this creates in your son an obsession with football, right? Mm. And I have no idea. I don't follow it. Enough. I have no idea. Is FC Barcelona good? Oh, I think they were. I mean, I know that they're like one of the preeminent, like. I mean, I think at one time they were kind of the Yankees of European soccer. Uh, we When we were in a bar... There was a, a a soccer match on, and it was West Ham. And there was a British guy behind me, an older, and he was rooting for West Ham. And I said, so is that the team that you cheer for? And he said, well, more often than not, it's a, it's a team I cry for. And so he, he's like a lifelong fan because he grew up in the area, and I guess they're terrible. So I decided, you know what, if I'm getting – and Liverpool apparently made a um, coaching change maybe. Or some sort of a change when I was over there because the BBC was all about. They had some commentator on, like every hour to break down the change in Liverpool. Well, it sounds like the Colts right now. <laughs> That's exactly what it's. And I guess like. crying about playing a certain team, you would think maybe Colts fans some have done that. Some fellow with, with the a Patriots? British accent breaking it all down, right? I can't believe I trade Naeem Hines. Oh God. Colts finally. <laughs> Mike Reese is going to hang up before you beat yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, I know he is. Uh, the Colts were able to finally beat the Patriots last year, but I'm going to guess that rivalry probably. You didn't tell is... me Mike was holding on, Kevin, oh. all, or, or Mark all that time. Sorry, Mike. A little bit different here than it is in New England. Mike Reese from ESPN.com is with us. Mike, apologies on that front. Good morning. No, not at all. I love the FC Barcelona talk. What's up, Jake? What's up, Kevin? Uh, I. Yeah, I know. Mike, I, are you an FC Barcelona guy? Not at all, but I was enjoying the conversation. <laughs> I was sort of learning something. Have you, you been know? to Barcelona? Uh, never been. Have I, the Patriots played overseas yet? They did. They played. They played in London, um, 2009, 10, 2012. They were in Mexico in 17. So it's had a, and actually 97 preseason. I remember going to Mexico. So we had, have had a few of them, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Mike, this is fascinating to me because we were talking about this this morning. And I realized that the Colts Patriots rivalry does mean more in Indianapolis, especially now, than it does in New England. I mean, I get it. But it feels very, pardon the pun here, deflated this year because of the changes that Indianapolis decided to make and just throwing a monkey wrench into their season. Does New England feel the same way? I mean, in terms of the Patriots. In their navigation of where they thought they were going to be going and where they are right now, is New England kind of in the same category? I would say so. It's hard for me to to sort of know where the Colts are coming from, but I'll you know take your word for it based on on how you characterize it. I think in New England, I would sort of say they're right in the middle, fork in the road. 
and that's why this game's so big for them. You know, this they still feel like they've got the whole season ahead of them, and there's plenty of examples over the years in Bill Belichick's tenure that they catch fire. Call it, you know, after Thanksgiving when Bill Belichick says that's when the real football season begins, and they go on a run that maybe you didn't see coming. Uh, I'd say the last one would have been 2018 when they won the Super Bowl, and no one saw that coming. So they still feel like it's ahead of them. However, there's been enough bad football through the first eight weeks of the season to know that it could easily tail off in the other direction. He's Mike Reese, covers the Patriots for ESPN.com. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The Patriots have won three of four, Mike. I guess to kind of summarize things, pretty good defensively, focused on their run game. Quarterback play has been up and down this season, and they've got a couple of key guys on the injury list this week. That's well said. I think a lot of ways the similarity we could draw between the Patriots and the Colts is the turnovers. Um, You look at it, both teams have turned the ball over 16 times this season, which leads the NFL. The one thing the Patriots have been able to do is offset those by taking it away 16 times, which is a league-high total tied for league-high. You look at the Colts, they're not taking it away as much, only eight takeaways. So I sort of look at the Patriots' standpoint as they've been able to overcome some of their poor play on offense, giving the ball away, and they need to continue to do that if they can get the win on Sunday. Mike, in Indianapolis we've seen, you know, if you exclude the Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck eras, you know, we've seen a franchise that has always kind of been looking year in and year out and resetting in terms of quarterback play. New England obviously thought with Mac Jones, I mean, it looked like, in fact, wow, they, you know, they'd found their guy just seamlessly in that transition. But quarterbacks sometimes, it takes a year or two for water to find its level and for you to truly get an idea as to whether or not a guy is a long-term guy. Is New England having that thought about Mac Jones, or is he clearly going to be the guy here moving forward? Have you seen enough now to know for a fact he is reliably the guy? I think there's still some level of doubt on that and and part of what's happened this year that I think is so important to point out is all the changes around Mac from a coaching standpoint so much of of the to me what I've learned over the years or what I believe I should say is you know continuity for these quarterbacks is so important early in their careers and you know you see how some of these highly touted quarterbacks come out and then they have a coaching change, and they have to learn a new system, and then there's another change, and the things around them negatively affect their development. And that's been a part of the story for Mac this year. Very promising rookie year. We all saw it last year with Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. Josh leaves to go become head coach of the Raiders, and the Patriots in the past under Belichick have always sort of stayed in-house and sort of stayed with their system from Josh McDaniel, from Charlie Weiss in the early 2000s to Josh McDaniels to Bill O'Brien, back to Josh McDaniels. Well, this year they did something different. While they stayed in-house, they really changed their system, and it was much different. And I think that has negatively affected Mac or at least caused, um, you know, a, a not – for that second-year jump to not happen that you would hope for. So got to see how this turns out and, and how this whole transition affects his development. He's Mike Reese. It's at Mike Reese, R-E-I-S-S, on Twitter, covering the Patriots for ESPN. Mike, I think there's this 
stereotype. I don't know if that's the right word, but certainly Bill Belichick's resume going up against young quarterbacks is well documented, particularly in Foxborough. I thought Belichick made an interesting point yesterday that some guys that have you know, been able to run at the quarterback position has given New England some problems this season. Um, the history would indicate, though, Belichick defenses usually feast on young quarterbacks with Sam Ellinger making his first road start. So, yeah, and, and I think there's probably something to be said for that. I, the, my counterpoint to that is that I think Frank Reich has had some of the magic formula to know how to get at the Patriots' defense. I think back to the Super Bowl when he was with the Eagles, and, and I watched that game, the Colts-Commanders game last week, and I saw some concepts that I think are going to give the Patriots some problems. Sorry you had to watch that, to be honest with you. I can't believe they lost the game, guys. I know. I, I could not believe they lost the game as I was watching it. Well, the stat, and, I don't know if you saw the stat, Mike, and sorry to interrupt. No. Uh, since 2000, the Commanders have been, or Washington's been in 129 such games with a two-score two score deficit with five minutes or less to go in the game. They've lost 128 of those 129, and then or they've, they've yeah, lost, and they came back to win on Sunday. So very rarefied air. The Colts are usually good at those historical notes for other teams. Yeah, and, and so, guys, uh, just to uh, finish the point, but I want to one thing I saw in the game, I do think Frank will protect Sam, and they'll play smart and give the Patriots some problems. So I, 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 don't, exp- I don't think the Belichick history is as relevant because of Frank's presence. But I want to tell you, just from like looking in from the outside, um, you know, I saw they fired the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, this offense must be a train wreck. And I thought it was, I thought it was efficient, you know, conservative. I was more shocked at the defense. This is what I wrote down. You're leading 16-7 with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the, the commanders have the ball on their own seven-yard line and they convert a fourth and six on that drive to get points. And then 239 left, Colts are leading 16-10, and the Commanders are back at their own 11-yard line. Fourth and two, they convert, and they end up winning the game. I'm thinking to myself, that's more about the defense in this game than the offense. Correct me if I'm wrong, I was shocked at how they couldn't close that out. Yeah, just, I mean, the defense certainly put them in a position to be in it going into that fourth quarter, but no finishing whatsoever. Like you said, the two fourth downs, the Terry McLaurin play, the pass rush was incredibly quiet. And to kind of pour more salt into the wounds, Mike, it's against a backup quarterback in Taylor Heineke. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I think right now I sort of look like Heineke and Sam, I think, are similar quarterbacks, right? Like they can make some plays. And I think turning that to the Patriots, we were talking about Mac. You know, they, they have Bailey Zappi, the backup. One dynamic Colts fan should be aware of, the last time the Patriots played at home, you might have seen it on that Monday night, the home crowd was cheering for Bailey Zappi, who I think is similar to Sam Ellinger and Taylor Heineke, to take over for Mac Jones. So this is sort of the environment that Mac is coming back into as sort of, you know, turning the, the page back over to him after pulling him from that Monday night game. Um, sort of interesting dynamic here in New England in terms of the belief that some part of the fans even have in Mac right now. Mike Reese is our guest. He is an ESPN NFL Nation reporter, primarily covering the New England Patriots. Mike, kind of an old wound here and, you know, maybe a dead topic, I realize. But I do think it's interesting and wanted to ask because I've never been able to ask someone of your 
um, kind of insider knowledge from New England standpoint about this. When Josh McDaniels accepted and then backed away from the Colts job, there was conjecture within Indianapolis, certainly from a fan standpoint, of maybe he knew that Andrew Luck had hesitation about how long he was going to play, and that's why he changed his mind. Then people said, well, no, he changed his mind because Belichick came and said, listen, you'll get the key, keys to the kingdom if you come here. Then he ends up leaving New England. So is there something to the former there, or was it just one of those things that people are trying to create smoke where there's absolutely no fire? Yeah, and, and I probably didn't do a great job reporting on this at the time, guys. Um, but I, here's what I think the honest-to-God truth is now that some time has passed and maybe some more credible information. Right, because that's how it always works, right? It's kind of we find out after we get yes. through the mayhem, right? We, we yes. can go, okay, this is what happened. Yes. Remember the timing. The Patriots were coming off a Super Bowl. It was late, if I remember. And I, I think Josh was just trying to find more clarity in terms of what his situation was in New England. And in terms of, like, what is not what is my future here, but, like, where, where are we headed here? What's going on? And he didn't know that piece. And once he was able to sit down, and it, it's hard for people to understand, when they're in the season in the playoffs, like, Bill Belichick, that is literally off to the side. Not even a consideration. So once he was able to, to finally sit down with Bill after the season ended or whatever the timing was, I'd have to go back and double-check it, and the owner, Robert Kraft, was part of it, I think he felt more comfortable. Hey, okay, I know what my situation is here in New England, and that doesn't mean I'm going to take over for Bill Belichick, but I know how I'm valued. I know that I have a spot here. My family's good here. I think it was more about that, guys than anything related to Andrew Luck, the Colts, or anything like that. Mike, last one for me, and I guess this is kind of a similar exit, um, or you know, leaving Foxborough, that would be Stephon Gilmore last season. Um, obviously, he had a huge play on, on Sunday that went against him, but for the most part, he's been pretty good here in Indy at the age of 32. Um, what happened there? Was it mostly injury contract related? Why did um, they part ways, I guess, kind of the midway point of last season? Yeah, he, he had an injury, guys, and I think there was some um, uh, divergence of thought, if that's the right word, where the, you know, the team was thinking about, you know, hey, let's handle it this way, and I think Steph was thinking about it in a different perspective, and they just sort of agreed to disagree, and there was money involved in terms of whatever he was getting paid at the time, and I think it ended up just being a, a, a difference of opinion that probably led Steph, and I'd have to, I want to go back and sort of tidy up the details to sort of just feel like, yeah, you know what, I, I think my time here has maybe reached an end point. And that's what that's what ultimately led him to, to to trade him off to Carolina. Mike, in covering the Patriots, and you've done so really for the entire Bill Belichick era. If someone, you know, thirty five years from now, when someone asks you about Bill Belichick and covering his teams, would you say that his greatest strength or greater strength is? taking the players that he has on the roster, and I know that he is responsible for those players being there, but is he better at, at coming up with schemes that match the players he's been able to accumulate, or is he better at accumulating players that match the scheme he has in mind? Oof, good question. I, I think it's hard to pick one or the other. Probably the, the thing that stands out is just 
in the salary cap era, right? Like, how has he been able to stay competitive year in and year out? And so I think it's probably a combination of the two. I don't know how you could pick one or the other. Like, this whole thing got started in 2001 when they got this great free agent class with Mike Vrabel. Use him as an example. You guys know him from the AFC South. As a player, he was in Pittsburgh, people forget, and sort of an underutilized guy. And then he comes to New England, and the scheme brings out the best in him. So a combination, right, that being the shining, one of the shining examples. And, of course, it always helps when you have someone like Tom Brady over the years. It would be remiss if I didn't sort of point out the fact that having a guy like that can sort of raise the level of everyone else around him. Mike, I lied. Um, Rivalry-wise here in Indy, it is still Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Like, definitely number <laughs> one in terms of venom. Where would the Colts fall in the Patriot fandom hatred ranking? <laughs> like, are, is every AFC East team above them? Are the Steelers above them? Or the I, I, don't, I don't even know, like, how the Colts are viewed right I now. I love it. I love it. I think um, they'd be a little bit down the line, and that's not to disrespect them. I think part of it is what you reference, guys, like all the changes there since Peyton – you know, left. And then when Andrew retired. So I think because of that, and, and didn't they go a stretch of a, of a few years there where they didn't even play each other? Right. Um, so I think, I think with time, it's faded a little bit. But so, I, you know, Jets are going to be, you know, up on, you know, like you said, AFC East team's probably going to be higher. Steelers a little bit higher. Um, but then the Colts right there. In 2006, the last time the Colts won in Foxborough, did beat New England last year with Jonathan Taylor icing that game here at Lucas Oil Stadium. Mike, I just texted Mike Wells. I said, this Mike Reese is an unbelievable dude. Um, terrific interview. And, of course, Mike Wells sung your praises. So thank you for the time, and uh, we'll, I guess, see you in Foxborough. I appreciate you guys. And, Kevin, I just want to say I enjoy following you. I always learn stuff on the Twitter about the Colts uh, following you there. So keep it up. I appreciate that, Mike. It means a lot coming from you. Thank you.